section nine of italy france spain and portugal this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world's story volume five italy france spain and portugal edited by eva march tappan section nine a day in florence in the thirteenth century by guido biaggi let us imagine ourselves entering florence on some fair spring morning during the second half of the thirteenth century we arrive on foot or on horseback and having passed through the outlying suburbs composed of modest houses and cabins which line the roads outside each gate we come to the porta del vescovo where the watchful guards jingling their rusty keys cry loudly to the wayfarer who art thou hast thou naught in thy purse having given that reply which in all ages succeeds in opening gates and taming cerberus we cross the moat pass through the second gateway and are greeted by the sound of bells as we enter the city just waking to its daily work from each church and chapel the bells are pealing gaily and not only from the towers and belfries but from every arch and niche and window where they can be hung there are more than eighty of them and at their persistent call the narrow tortuous streets below begin to show signs of animation at the massive doorways of the high houses appear the pale and wary faces of the merchants who dare not issue forth until they hear that the neighbours and tradesmen are also throwing open their houses and shops then upon the threshold they say a short prayer make the sign of the cross and betake themselves to church the streets gradually fill with people here are clergy in great numbers monks and nuns pilgrims and lay sisters here are peasants coming in from the country with their donkey carts laden with vegetables knights in armour striding along proudly and impatiently as though they were lords of all rough artisans and workmen singing as they urge on their asses by force of kicks and cries jesters and wandering players go about seeking some good-natured temporary host fruit-sellers and market-women carrying their swaddled babies slung at their backs exercise their tongues over other people's affairs as they trundle along to their stalls whilst armed men belonging to some of the great houses make their way through the increasing crowd with grim and threatening faces their hands ready to draw sword or dagger from its sheath opposite to the bishop's palace an elaborate building conspicuous for its loggia or covered terrace then perhaps the only one in the city was the atrium an entrance to the baptistery of san giovanni the church itself was surrounded by arches partly of marble and partly of stone beneath which idlers and ragged philosophers of all sorts were accustomed to congregate the porphyry columns and the pillar commemorating the dead tree which blossomed anew at the funeral of san zenobius were in the same places where they are seen to-day but between the baptistery and the church of santa reparata 
to the left of which was a tower stood the hospital of st john the evangelist a refuge for the poor and for pilgrims the people crowded into the narrow spaces between these various buildings and overflowed into the churchyard of santa reparata ground afterwards covered by the great transepts of santa maria del fiore their business and their gossip was mostly carried on in the mercato vecchio the old market-place which possessed four churches at its four corners amongst the labyrinth of lanes and alleys round or san michel in the piazza del comune which had then not yet been enlarged by extension over the ruins of the uberti dwellings or in the open place in front of the ponte vecchio which was used as a market for fruit and vegetables here the good people who sat comfortably upon the benches and stone seats listened eagerly to the tales and jokes of the professional jesters and buffoons to the hair-raising accounts of crime committed in the city or to the dreadful threats and prophecies of some friar or hermit just returned from the holy land but even if these conversations could be repeated the meaning and the witticisms would in most cases be incomprehensible to our modern minds the old men recalled events of their youth they described floods so terrible that the swollen arno overflowed its banks and turned the city into a lake causing widespread ruin and the deaths of many persons by drowning besides this feared and constantly recurring disaster there were the fires which had several times destroyed florence and which were due partly to the carelessness of the inhabitants and the great amount of inflammable material collected within a confined space and partly to the malice and revenge of the various parties and factions these conflagrations claimed many victims whole families perished together and a great deal of property valuable furniture and precious things were lost wherefore the sage advisers of the day were constantly reminding the people to take all precautions against fire and to have a way of escape ready from doors windows or roof in case of a blaze in the house there were also the robberies committed by the armed adherents or servants of certain families who sallied forth at night with a banner bearing their master's arms and an escort of foot-soldiers and broke into houses carrying off everything even to the garments and bedclothes of the household and leaving the children both male and female naked upon their bedsteads worse things were not done even in acre by the saracens these attacks moreover were arranged beforehand for it is related how certain persons previously went about to all the threatened houses warning the women and offering to take charge of and keep safely anything which they might desire to place in security during the time of danger then about to begin but when once these ruffians had got hold of the property they gave very little of it back to the owners and only replied with threats to those who demanded the restoration of their ill-gotten gains these melancholy tales however were often varied by more cheerful memories the gossips would tell of the merry discussions held in lordly assemblies where the guests passed their time in listening to jests and entertaining stories and where the jesters and story-tellers who were engaged to provide the amusement sometimes failed to please and were maltreated in consequence 
repartee and witty remarks were permitted to inferiors even to the servants who waited at table a company of knights was once supping in one of the great florentine houses and there was present a jester who was a most excellent story-teller when the supper was finished he began a tale which seemed as though it would never end a youth belonging to the house who was serving the company and was probably hungry for his own supper called him by name and said he who taught thee that tale did not teach thee all how so asked the jester and the youth replied because he did not teach thee the end those who made it their business to spread city gossip took less delight in witty sayings however than in the practical jokes played upon countrymen and persons of feeble mind those who were stupid or dull-witted had to take the consequences beside being the victims of practical jokes as was the case with ser frugli an old man who owned a fine farm on the hill of san giorgio and lived there with his family almost all the year round every morning he used to send his servant to sell fruit and vegetables in the square near the bridge and he was so utterly miserly and distrustful that he tied up the bundles of vegetables himself counted them and told the girl how much money he expected her to bring back the chief injunction he laid upon her however was that she must never dawdle in the street of san giorgio because the women there were thieves now there was a florentine named baito who lived in the quarter of san giorgio and was noted for his amusing tricks one of which he determined to play on serfui he put on a rich fur-trimmed dress the best he had and sat down on the seat outside his own door when the servant came by with a basket of cabbages he called her and she went up to him immediately although she had paid no attention to several women who had previously offered to buy from her good woman how much do these cabbages cost asked baito messire two bundles for a penny certainly this is a good portion but seeing that all my family is away in the country and that i am alone here with my servant a whole portion would be too much for me moreover i prefer to eat my vegetables whilst they are fresh at that time small metals were in current use in florence two metals being worth a penny wherefore baito said give me a medal's worth now then give thou me a penny and i give thee a medal and another day will i take the second bundle the girl thought it was all right and did as she was told then she went on and sold the remainder of her vegetables at the price fixed by her master when she returned home she handed the money to ser frugli who immediately counted it over and found it a penny short he questioned the girl but she replied that it was impossible the money was correct thereupon he grew angry with her and asked her if she had stopped anywhere in san giorgio at first she tried to deny it but her master frightened her so much that she admitted it and said yes i stopped and sold to a fair knight and he paid me well moreover he bade me bring him another bundle of cabbages then we have lost half a penny answered serfruyi he thought over the matter and presently perceived the trick whereupon he began to abuse the servant roundly and asked where the man lived to whom she had sold the cabbages she described the house and then he knew that it was baito who had already played him a number of tricks he was furious and the next morning he got up early hid a rusty sword under his cloak and went to the square by the bridge where he found baito sitting with a number of other people serfruyi drew his sword and would have wounded baito if another man had not immediately seized him by the arms and the people all drew back in alarm thinking there was going to be an uproar baito was frightened at first but then 
remembering what had happened he began to laugh thereupon the people surrounded serfruyi and asked what was the matter and he described the whole affair though he was so breathless he could scarcely speak bito called for silence however and said serfruyi i will make terms with you let us have no more words give me back my penny and take your medal and ye may also have your cabbages and a curse go with them serfruyi answered it is well and if ye had spoken thus at the first all this trouble would never have been and not perceiving the fresh trick he gave back the penny and received a medal in exchange and departed quite content amidst great laughter from the crowd End of section nine this recording is in the public domain